The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. So who do you call out to? Who do you reach out to when you are in trouble and you need help? I know in my house, um, our youngest, Matthew, who's nine months old, his first words he learned, so he's you know, kind of putting syllables together, and his very first word was dada. And so you can go, aw, isn't that cute? No, it stinks. I'm gonna tell you why. Because uh, it's, it sounds sweet, but it means no sleep. Because usually his favorite time to say dad, 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 dad is uh, that combined with ah! at about three o'clock in the morning. Dad, 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 ah! And uh, so I went in the room and uh, I've been teaching him mama, 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 mama. And uh, maybe you're not a parent and uh, you're around parents and you're wondering why they don't respond when their kids are screaming at the top of their lungs. Like maybe you go out to a restaurant or maybe you go to their house and their kids sound like they're literally in ambulance screaming and you're like, don't you hear that? Look, if, you're a, if you know somebody who lives next to a railroad tracks, they don't even hear the train go by. That's us. Our kids are screaming, it's like a railroad, it's like a train going by, we don't even hear it. It's what we hear, like you're hearing an ambulance, we hear like, like it's literally just a little muffled. And so like literally just the other night, we were in bed and I had already gotten up and Laura had already gotten up to put Matthew back to bed and so he was crying again and I was like, your turn, <laughs> you go. And then, you know, we stumble in the room like, dude. And then like, he sees us, we're like losing sleep. And then he, as soon as he sees us, he's like, ha ha. I'm like, ha ha. <laughs> um, and, and you know, here's the deal, right? Maybe you feel like that's how people respond to you. Maybe you sent someone a text message recently and you're like, I know you got it. And then like a week later, they finally responded. And it was like one of those like, hey, my car's broke down on the side of the road, I need help kind of a text. And they're like, oh dude, I'm so sorry, I missed it. Trust me, if you had said, there are steaks on the grill, come over now, you would have gotten an instant reply. Or maybe you call them, or maybe you send them a, you know, a DM or an IM, and they just totally ignore you. And you feel like you're crying, da, 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 and they just don't have time for you. Or worse, maybe that's how you feel about God right now. You feel like God is far away and distant and when you cry out to him, he just simply hears some muffled cry at best and, he's over, and, and the Holy Spirit's over there pushing God the Father like, you go, Jesus, you show up. You know, like, and you, you just feel like God is annoyed by your cries at best or maybe he doesn't hear them at all or maybe he's not even there. And if he did respond, would you and I even notice? Meaning if God actually did show up, if he did answer our prayers, would we notice? Uh, not long ago, uh, one of my neighbors was getting out of the car the same time I was, and so I was like, hey, how you doing? And, and uh, she was like, oh, you know, I'm all right, except I just found out that my mom uh, got diagnosed with cancer. And I was like, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry. So I walked over to her, I was like, well, you know, what's going on? So she tells me the situation. I said, well, hey, I, I believe that God does miracles. And I believe God can heal your mother. And so I'm gonna specifically pray for her. Like literally right now, I'm gonna pray for her and then I'm gonna keep her in my prayers. And I don't know, it was one of those like stupid moments. Like, why did I just say that? Why did I just say that I believe God can do miracles? I mean, this kind of feels like a setup. 
And a very much like maybe how you feel when we give you five invite cards and we're like, hey, invite your friends to Christmas in Hagerstown. And you're like, oh no, how am I gonna do that? That's how I felt. Like, what did I just do? Here, God can do a miracle in your mom's life. And so then I didn't see her, but I kept praying for her mom. And about two weeks later, I saw her and I was like, hey, how's your mom doing? And she's like, oh, you're never gonna believe this. They brought her back in, they did more tests, they couldn't find the cancer, they made such a mistake. They totally messed up. They thought she had cancer, she doesn't have cancer. Thank you, that's how I felt. I was like, what? This is incredible. And she was like, yeah, unbelievable. They don't know what they did wrong. They made a mistake. They couldn't find the cancer. I'm like, no, they didn't make a mistake. Don't you remember two weeks ago when I said that God can and does miracles and I believe that he'll do a miracle in your mom? And she was like, oh, that's right. Unbelievable. What a coincidence. I'm like, that, what? That wasn't a coincidence. No, no, like you didn't connect the dots. You asked you said she had cancer, I prayed for her cancer, God healed her cancer. No, like unbelievable, I didn't expect that. That was totally unexpected. And because it's unexpected, we don't actually notice it. And that was the point of Luke's letter. Luke writes a, the story of the life and teachings of Jesus to people that did not expect God to be who God is and was. They didn't expect God to be anything like Jesus. And so Luke felt the same way. He totally got it. Luke was a, a physician who noticed Jesus because you know Luke would treat people and they would not quickly get better. He would treat some people and they would still die. But Jesus shows up at funerals and raises the dead. Jesus does signs, wonders, and miracles and the sick are healed, the blind see, those that are emotionally bound are freed, those that are being driven by the demons that haunt them are liberated. And Luke goes, this is something different. This is something unexpected. And so Luke begins to follow Jesus. He is the only Greek among a bunch of Jews that begin to follow Jesus. He's an outsider looking in. And so he wants to be, get in on this miracle story. Later, after Jesus' death and resurrection, Luke writes an account of the life, teachings, death, and resurrection of Jesus to his um, countrymen, to other Greeks that are very religious, but they believe that the gods are either off doing their own thing or are no different than they are. He, he writes to people to introduce them to a God that is totally unexpected, not at all what you would expect. In fact, he explains that God's arrival on earth was not an arrival anyone would expect because he showed up in a time when everyone on earth felt exactly like you feel when you send a text and no one responds. When you send an email and they ignore it. When you cry, dada, dada, but no one comes running. For 400 years, God had gone silent. I mean, the last time someone prayed and God answered the prayer, was like in the 16th, 16th century, 1600s, I was gonna say, right? Like, like, imagine that. 
Like everybody goes to church, everybody does the religious stuff, everybody goes through ceremony, everybody follows the rituals, but God's nowhere to be found. No one senses God, no one hears God, prayers aren't answered, it's just silent. And after 400 years, people had kind of given up on the idea that God was nearby, that God was present, that God was actively involved. And that's the point Luke makes in writing his letter, is to introduce us to a God that shows up in unexpected ways. Let me read it to you in the gospel according to Luke chapter one, the way that God shows up. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so Elizabeth is the woman who's going to give birth to John, John the Baptist, who is going to become the prophet introducing the nation of Israel to Jesus. So in, her, in the sixth month of her pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And then he says to her, look, um, you're gonna get pregnant. And, and she's a little caught off guard because he's like, you're gonna get pregnant now. And she's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, well, actually, here's what she says. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? She's not asking for an explanation about the birds and the bees. She actually knows the birds and the bees and she's a little confused. She's like, whoa, I know the story. I know how this works. I'm not married, I'm not gonna have a baby. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you. By the way, if this requires further explanation from your children, you're gonna to have to have the conversation with them. I am not gonna exegete that particular passage of scripture. The Holy Spirit came on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And so God speaks to her through an angel that she's gonna have a baby. Then her fiance, Joseph, is a little bit upset about the fact that she's pregnant and he wants to have a, you know, a bro he wants to break off the engagement. So God speaks again to Joseph through another, through the angel. And now Joseph is cooperating in this miracle process of how God shows up on the scene. So they, they travel to Bethlehem as part of a legal mandate that you have to go back to the, the city or the community where you were born, the family of your, the area of your ancestors, because they're gonna take up a census. And so David, since he's from the family and the lineage of David, brings his fiance, who's pregnant, to Bethlehem, where, they, where she gives birth to a baby uh, in a manger. And that, that night, an angel appears to shepherds, again, to announce the arrival of God. God. Luke chapter two, verse 10, the angel speaks to the shepherds and says, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. He, he, is, the, he is the rescuer. He is the creator of the universe that has come in the form of a baby. This will be a sign to you. 
I mean, this is how you're gonna know that what I'm saying is true, as if it wasn't enough that angels appear in the sky and say it. He's like, we just want you to, be, to know for sure that when you see this, it'll be confirmation that what we're telling you is true. Maybe you think you're hallucinating. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Again, the way you're gonna know this is true, what we're telling you is because you're gonna see something totally unexpected. You're gonna show up at like a shelter where animals are around on a local farm, and there's gonna be a baby in the manger. And you're gonna be like, whoa, that's unexpected. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And there it is. An angel speaks to Mary. An angel has to speak to Joseph, her fiance. Angels have to speak to the shepherds and God has to paint it in the heavens so that people would even recognize that he was showing up on the scene. Why would God have to go through such great lengths in order to introduce himself to us? Because it was so, as you could guess, unexpected, right? I mean, how should the king who rules over all kings show up? I mean, shouldn't he come with a, a motorcade? Motorcycles blocking the intersections, horns blazing, military uh, you know, escort. Shouldn't he, if he is truly the creator of the universe? I mean, shouldn't all of the, you know, shouldn't this be like, you know, a, um, Lion King moment where another king holds him up on the cliff and the whole world bows down to him. I mean, that's the image we have. That's the expectation. That's protocol. That's how it should work. But instead, Jesus comes born of a virgin who's engaged to be married in an oppressed nation in a small little town into poverty and anonymity, and no one saw it coming, no one expected it, and so how did those that did notice respond? Meaning to those that actually got the introduction by an angel or saw a star, how did they respond and how should we respond? It's this, very simply, we should welcome God's arrival. Welcome God's arrival, but why don't we? Why did, why did so many miss it? Why do we so often miss it in our own lives? It's for this reason. Because while we think we're crying out, dad, 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 and we feel like God isn't coming, the reality is we've actually turned away from God and are running away from God. God has been pursuing us. God has arrived in our lives. God arrived into his world, into his creation. He has been chasing you and pursuing you, but you and me together, we've turned our back on God and we are running in the opposite direction. How could I say such a thing? Because I know that just like me, you have a spiritually sabotaging force inside of you called sin. Sin, the spiritual force inside of us that drives us away from God, that broke relationship with God and causes us to run off and do what we want. We actually plug our ears as God is calling us. We go off doing our own thing and in In fact, we not only turn away from God, we turn our desires, our hopes, our dreams, our wishes, our agenda into our gods. 
That's what we worship. That's what we pursue. We bow our lives before the altar of our own interests. And since we've rejected God, driven by sin, we experience spiritual ruin and a life headed toward spiritual death. This is why we feel like God is far away and distant, not because he's not come running to us, but because we have turned and run from him. But God is a great pursuer. God arrives in unexpected ways. And when he, when he said he was gonna come, he announced it through uh, people that were proclaiming his name. In fact, for hundreds of years, God promised he was coming. If you go back to the book of Isaiah, it's given that name because it was written by the prophet Isaiah who was foretelling that God was coming. He writes it in his book. We have it in, um, in Isaiah chapter seven, verse 14, where Isaiah the prophet is telling what God is saying. And he says this, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. And you're like, wait, that sounds a lot like the story of Mary. Yes, exactly. That's the point. Isaiah was saying, check it out. God is going to show up. God is going to come. He's going he's to come in an unexpected way, born of a virgin, and his name will be Emmanuel. So wait, why do we call him Jesus? Well, the name Emmanuel means God with us. That God would show up on the scene. He would live among his people. God would show up in an unexpected way, show up to an unexpected people, live an unexpected life, do unexpected miracles, and then die an unexpected death. Wait, what? Why would he die? Why would God come to earth with the destiny to die? Because that was his mission. We deserve to die, so he died in our place. And how do we respond to this unexpected arrival? Well, let's go back and let's reread this response of Mary because it's indicative of how we respond when God shows up in an unexpected way, like we celebrate at Christmas, let me just read to you a couple of the phrases that I already read over. Verse 28, the angel is speaking to Mary and says, the Lord is with you. And then jump down to verse uh, 35, where the angel continues, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. How do we respond? How do we welcome God's arrival in our life? Let me just, let me just give it to you in very, a very simple, practical step. We welcome Jesus in. Here is the progression of how God shows up on the scene. The prophet says that a virgin will, con will conceive and give birth to a child, and his name will be Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus showed up with people. He came alongside of the sick and he healed them. He, he met his disciples and he invited them to spend time with him. Emmanuel, God with us. And when the angel speaks to Mary, uh, he says to her, God is with you. And then he goes like this. The next step is gonna be this. The Holy Spirit is gonna come on you. 
And in your life, the same progression occurs. Maybe you're unaware of it, but God's spirit is with you. He's he's with you in your struggles. Maybe you feel like God has been far away, but I promise you, God has been pursuing you. You've been running from God, but he's been running after you. You've You've been living a bad life, but God's goodness has been chasing you down. You've been doing the wrong thing, but God's right way is coming after you. God is with you. But then God doesn't want to just be with you. God wants to come on your life. God wants to overshadow you. God wants to surround you. But it doesn't stop there. Then the angel says, and you will give birth to a son. Here's the deal. God goes from being with us to coming on us to being in us. And are we welcome to invite, are we welcoming Jesus in? Here is the, this is where it stops, right? God can be with us. God can come on us. But God will not come in us without our invitation. We have to actually be a willing participant in the welcoming of God into our lives. God will not force his way in. God is a gentleman. God is not rude. God is not like all the scandals that you're hearing on the news. God will not grab you. God will not grope you. God will not force himself into your life. God is waiting for your invitation to welcome him into your life. Now, before your mind goes off in all kinds of weird and perverted directions, let's let's make sure we're talking about a spiritual encounter. But we're borrowing from the example of Mary, who when she meets the angel who says, God is with you, God is gonna come on you, but are you willing to let God come in you? And here is our challenge. For you and I, our challenge is, am I willing to allow God into my life. For most of us, we, we don't mind God coming with us. Maybe, you're, maybe you've been commuting to work and you like the idea of God being with you as you travel and keeping you safe. Maybe during the holidays, you'll be traveling and you want God with you on the plane or with you on the highway. Maybe your kids are off at college and you want God with them at college. Maybe you're even comfortable with God being on you. You want God on your finances. You want God surrounding your home. You want God surrounding your marriage. Or maybe you've gone through a difficult diagnosis and you want God surrounding your situation. But are you willing to surrender and welcome God in? This is the uncomfortable reality of the message of Christmas is that it's not just God with us, Emmanuel. It's not just God on us, overshadowing our circumstances, but God in our lives, God in my life. So here's how this works, right? Jesus Christ came to earth for the express purpose of dying on the cross. His death the price for our eternal death sentence. So that when Jesus died, he died once for all so that anyone who believes in Jesus by faith is forgiven of their sins and given new life. When you believe in Jesus by faith, often we, we use different terms, but we, we've missed the message and the power of the moment. When you believe in Jesus by faith and you confess him as your Lord and Savior, when you acknowledge your sin and you repent of your old way of living, meaning you've been running this way, but you turn toward God, what do you actually do? You do nothing except accept. You welcome Jesus in. 
And what happens is it's not the person of Jesus that comes into your life. It's he sends his spirit, the eternal invisible spirit of God, which enters your spirit, which was separated from God. And when God's spirit enters into your spirit, you become truly alive and eternally alive so that even when you die, death isn't the end of your story. Death is simply a gateway into the paradise with God forever. So are you willing to welcome Jesus in by inviting his spirit into your spirit. That's not just for those of you that have never taken that step, but for every one of us. Am I regularly welcoming God into my life? Am I allowing him to live in me, not just with me or alongside of me. Now, when I make that invitation and I welcome God in, right? I accept his gift. I accept his gift of love. I accept his gift of life. I accept his spirit into my spirit and I don't do anything except accept. There is another Porsche part to this though. And it's this. And let me just go back and I'm gonna read it to you again because I don't want you to miss this. This is Luke chapter one, verse 34 and 35. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The, an the angel answered, so listen carefully, right? The Holy Spirit will come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This is important. Imagine, so you, you gotta think, right? The Holy Spirit is with Mary. The Holy Spirit's gonna come on Mary. And the Holy Spirit is gonna do a work in Mary so that Jesus is alive inside of her. When we welcome God's arrival, we are not only welcoming Jesus in, we are welcoming Jesus into every aspect of our life. Every aspect of our life. So, I mean, I'm not gonna exegete the whole technicalities of the birds and the bees, but let's just be really, let's just put it right out there, right? Mary's moment starts very personally and very privately. No one knows about her encounter. And then God speaks through an angel to Joseph. God speaks through angels to the, to the um, shepherds. God is announcing this private personal encounter that Mary had. Mary's story begins, she doesn't even know whether it happened. But then give it a couple weeks and all of a sudden she's like, yep, Something different's going on inside of me. Her hormones start changing. The chemical balance inside of her body starts changing. Her body starts to change. All of a sudden, her emotions are shifting. It, if you've ever been around a pregnant mom, I mean, you're awesome. We, we're amazed by you. You awe us. But you gotta admit, even your brain starts to shift a little bit, right? Like, you think different than you used to think. You speak different than you used to speak. You guys catch it? Do you notice it? When Jesus comes into Mary, everything about her life starts to change. And even though previously no one noticed, eventually people start to notice. Some people are celebrating and some people are hating. In your life, when you welcome Jesus in, he does, it begins very personally and very privately. No one even notices. But, if, but as you walk in relationship with Jesus, if you are falling in love with Jesus, eventually he begins to change you from the inside out. 
Some people will eventually start to notice. Eventually, those closest to you will notice first. And then people that are around you start to notice. Eventually, anybody can notice the change in your life because you have not only welcomed Jesus in, but you've given him access to every part of your life. That's right. He will affect even the chemical balance of your life. He will affect your emotions. He will affect the way you think. He will begin to change the way your body reacts. He can help you overcome your addictions. He can help you he can help transform your desires. You, you have the challenge though. Are you going to keep God at arm's length? Or are you going to welcome him in to every aspect of your life? Maybe you're okay with God being in your life, but you're saying you're putting some locks on certain doors and you're saying, God, you can have access to this part of my life, but you can't have access to my reason for resenting that person. Don't mess with that one, God. You could come in my life, but don't, don't you start talking about my finances. I went there. No, God, you can't, you're not gonna have control of how I handle my money. No, God, you can have everything, but you're not gonna dictate my business decisions. Or, or God, you don't, you don't have to get involved in my marriage or my parenting, and I can keep going, right? But the reality is, what is that area of your life where you were keeping God at arm's length? There is a door or an area of your life that you have locked and you've said, God, this far, but no further. Think about, the, think about Mary. How is she gonna assist the Holy Spirit in this conception? There's nothing she can do. She simply welcomes him. And too many of us are trying to assist God in his work in our lives. Let me challenge you. The only thing you and I do is we welcome God and then we cooperate with God. We don't say, God, wait to come into that area of my life until I get it in order. You can deal with me after I break this addiction. You can, you can enter into my marriage once I get it worked out. No, we say, God, it's all yours. You have complete access. So stop trying to assist God. That would be as absurd as Mary trying to assist God. The other option Mary had was to resist God. She could have said, no, I don't want anything to do with you. Now, imagine the king above all kings showing up and speaking to you through an angel. Resist him? Why would we do that? Imagine the creator of the universe entering into his creation and we're gonna resist him? Let me challenge you, the mess we've gotten ourselves into is because we've been resisting and running from God. No, this time, let's turn to him and welcome him in to every area of our life because when we welcome him in to every aspect of our life, what we discover is that God shows up in unexpected ways to do the unexpected. When Jesus shows up, he often arrives and arrives in unexpected ways. He shows up at a wedding where the party has gone poor and he turns the party around. He shows up at a funeral where everyone's grieving the, the death of a young man and he raises the dead. See, when God shows up in our lives, he arrives in unexpected ways to do unexpected things. And your challenge and my challenge is, am I willing to invite God 
into every aspect and area of my life and then allow him to do what is totally unexpected. I assure you that God wants to write an only God moment into that situation that you are most afraid of. God wants to do the miraculous in that moment in your life where you've been keeping God at an arm's length because you were embarrassed or afraid or ashamed. When you invite him in, his arrival will do the unexpected. God wants to do what only he can do. He not only can do it, but he cares enough to do it. If only you and I would turn and cry, dad, dad. He's a loving father, way better than me. And he's gonna come running to your rescue. He already arrived through his son, Jesus. And he's sending his spirit to lavish his love on you. If only we would welcome him. So where are you at right now? Maybe you fit into that first group of people where you've been resisting God. Maybe you've even been trying to ignore God. You thought God was far away and distant, but right now you're recognizing maybe during this Christmas season that the step you need to take is to say, Jesus, you are welcome in my life. I receive your spirit in my life. And if that's where you're at, I want you to take this prayer moment and that's how I want you to respond. For others of you, I want you to take a prayer moment. And maybe you believe in Jesus. Maybe you know that God's spirit is in you. But, but as you pray, God will make you aware that there are certain areas of your life where you have been compartmentalizing your life and keeping God at an arm's length. And now is your moment to say, God, I invite you in. I invite you specifically in to that area, that aspect, that shame in my life. I'm inviting you in to heal and to do the unexpected. So would you close your eyes for a moment and would you just begin to pray? And while you're praying, I wanna speak to those two groups of people. First, if you're, if you're here and that's your response, right now, you're willing to say yes. I know that before this moment, I was not open to God being in my life. But right now, I am willing to welcome Jesus in. And if that's you, would you just indicate, just raise your hand high right now. Say, hey, Patrick, that's me. I hear your message and I want that relationship with Jesus. Man, I feel like God's been far away and distant, but right now I realize that it wasn't God distant, it was me. And for those of you that are raising your hand, let me just, I'm gonna pray with you in just a moment. Anybody else, you wanna just raise your hand and say, yeah, that's right, that's me. Now for, for everyone else, I hope that you've already made that commitment to welcome Jesus in your life. But what is, identify that area where you've been keeping God at an arm's length. Now let me pray over you. Jesus, thank you for loving us. Thank you that when we cried, dad, 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 you didn't come and say, no, 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 say mama. You didn't, you didn't ignore us. You didn't blow off our text. You came running to our rescue. You died on a cross, you rose again. And for that, we simply say, thank you. And we receive your spirit into our spirit where we are forgiven of our sin and given new life. Lord, for those of us that have been resisting you or trying to assist you in your work, we now open our life completely to you and we say, God, take full control. We surrender to you in Jesus' name, amen. For those of you that raised your hand, we put a card in your hand. One of our, one of our hospitality team gave you a card. I would, I would encourage you, if you would fill that out. The reason is we wanna 
encourage you and help you as you begin this new relationship with God. Look, I, it's a little bit like coming into another type of relationship where you need some encouragement, you, you need some guidance. And so we wanna come alongside of you. So if you'd fill that card out, you can do one of two things with it. You either bring it to the Raise the Life banner at any point during the rest of the service or at the end of the service or on your way out. You can bring it over to the starting point or drop it in the giving box on your way out because we're gonna follow up with you because we wanna help you as you begin this new journey in relationship with God. Look for every one of us. Hopefully this was a challenging and provocative reminder that God's arrival on earth and God's arrival in our life is totally unexpected. So I want you to take the next few moments and stay in this mindset, stay in the attitude of prayer where you're saying, God, I welcome you. God, I, I've, maybe there's these areas where I've been resisting, but God, right now, I welcome you. Thank you for your arrival. Thank you for your love washing over my life. I don't just want you with me. I don't want, just want you on me. I want you in me and in my life. And so the band, they're gonna begin to lead us in a song. And, and at the beginning of the song, we just wanna to continue to encourage you to have a prayer moment. But I want you to listen to the words and I want you to allow these words to be like a prayer for you. Would you join us? Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.